You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them Kim Trails in the sky. Welcome, welcome everybody to the David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to welcome you to this wonderful Wednesday. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. I get to spend some time talking to Cindy Bright. Let me tell you already before the show, she's blowing my mind with the things that she's working on in regards to corporate diversity and how we need to be pushing the needle forward, but also doing a real specific look on the post-George Floyd movement of what's happening in corporate diversity. So can't wait to dive in with her. And then we're going to follow up this show with our guy, Brian Callanan from Seattle News Views and Brews. We're going to be talking all about what's going down on tonight's episode. So you guys want to make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Of course, this is the top of the show though. So it's a perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead, tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. Also, if you can't watch our shows, don't worry. You guys can listen to our shows anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Y'all will find me there. We're on all the platforms, Google, Spotify, iTunes, over 200 podcast platforms, which blew my mind because I didn't know there was that many, but we're on all of them. So go ahead and search um, Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey so you guys can listen maybe as you're in your way to work or going to a break or at your desk, all good. We got you covered. Um, we've been keeping a couple of messages alive here and, and I want to make sure we really bring it home for y'all every day. Of course, coming up first is the Commercial Tenant Improvement Fund. Uh, I've been saying to y'all, Curtis is putting the link in the comments and then he let me know yesterday, actually, all I have is the overlay, but that's okay. The link is right there on that flyer. So we'll keep it up a little bit extra for you guys to be able to see all the information there. But this is the fund by Office of Economic Development that, you know, they've invested $1.9 million into this fund. So businesses can occupy commercial spaces at an affordable rate. This allows you to apply for uh, up to $100,000 in grant funding to now get your commercial space retrofitted. Maybe you already have a space, but you need to, um, you know, change it up due to COVID needs. We've seen a lot of different adjustments that we've all had to make. Even though business is open, we still are dealing with COVID and they really wanted to be uh, intentional about making an investment into businesses who may have had some differences and changes due to COVID. But I also think this is a great opportunity if you're looking to get brick and mortar space Space. And those commercial tenants, you know, that turn, that tenant improvement piece was difficult for you. We've seen this happen where it's taken some businesses many, many, many uh, months uh, once they've already acquired a commercial space to actually occupy that space. So make sure you guys are checking out this fund. And if it's not for you, please share it because the more of us that are aware, the more these funds can get circulated into our communities. Um, also, too, here, we want to uh, mention that 
Look, Friends of Waterfront is doing it, y'all. They are keeping events alive uh, right there at Pier 62, working with community members to bring family-friendly and culturally relevant events right there to the pier. You guys can see there on that uh, flyer here that they have something going on every day this week. We've just been sharing this because oftentimes people may think, oh, well, you know, these are kind of only going on on the weekends. No, they have things going on throughout the week. So make sure you guys are tapping in. If you're taking a couple of days off of work and you're thinking about, you know, you know, staycationing, you know, you can also be a tourist in your own city. And Pier 62 and Friends of Waterfront is a great place to start. So go check out what they have going on down there throughout the week. Oh, all right. I'm excited. Right now I get to talk to Cindy Bright, y'all. And She's phenomenally connected to what's going on in the business world. And some of this, uh, for me, I just wasn't aware of it because I stay so focused in Black community and nonprofit work. But a lot of these trends are actually ex being experienced in Black-led organizations as well. So let's welcome Cindy Bright to The Day with Trey. What's up, Cindy? What's up, Trey? Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me. I mean, and also it's your first time in our Black Media Matters studios. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, you're always welcome here. But, you know, I want to just talk a little bit about your book first, um, because the the courage, no, color of courage. Yeah, I kept flipping it, y'all. The color of courage really dives into a lot of the trends that you saw then, but are also still seeing now. Tell us a bit about some of the highlights from the book. Yeah, thank you for that. Actually, reversing it is actually more powerful, <laughs> right? The uh, courage of color Yeah. Uh, for us to be able to sit here in these spaces and uh, bring our stories forward is so important. And so, um, you know, I am a year post that book, um, being published and continue to watch and see the trends of what Black women are continuing to experience. Um, I would uh, suggest that um, it has gotten worse in terms of um, how Black women are being treated, and I'm going to use the word disposed of. Uh, I am watching the trends on some of the social platforms, particularly the quote-unquote professional platform of LinkedIn, uh, and the policing of Black women on that platform and people who are speaking out um, exponentially on that platform that I've not seen before. So um, my view is that that is continuing. It is being perpetuated. And we are seeing very slow progress in that area. Yeah, this... Uh for me is <laughs> something that I think was the catalyst, honestly, Cindy, for me to say, where else can I bring my brilliance? Because we find ourselves in these spaces knowing what we're capable of, but often not giving the opportunities to fully showcase that. Or we see that when we do, our ideas, our projects get snatched by other people. Our brilliance gets co-opted, right? We see this oftentimes where it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, we heard you. Some white man says the same thing in the same meeting and all of a sudden he's getting all of the praise. This is something that is continuous when we talk about corporate spaces. And it's unfortunate some of the things you were just sharing with me is that now people who are stepping out are getting, you know, blamed. I mean, all of this stuff on social media. Tell us about some of those trends you're yeah. seeing. You know, one thing that you just said, Trey, I think really important to amplify. 
um, around, because you and I talked a little bit about this last time I was here with you, um, the work of Black women, um, what you're describing around it being plagiarized and taken advantage of and so forth, I'm also going to say boldly that Black business women, uh, women like me, women who are out bidding for work in corporate spaces, our proposals, the way that we are being required to uh, put proposals together with detailed information about how we will approach problems. Our proposals, I can't tell you how many I have put in, and the return on those is in single digits. So they have all of our intellectual property, our knowledge. They take those proposals, and then they go out, and they're giving those businesses, that, that business, to a lot of women, mostly white women. And so when you look at the data and the statistics around who's prevailing under diversity statistics, gender is what is being used, not race. And so we as black women are still not prevailing in a niche, diversity, equity, all of that work is the lives that we live and we have spent decades in those spaces and have so much experience. And yet now, one of the other, I'm just gonna call it a gatekeeping process that has shown its head now is DEI certificates that they're requiring that people have uh, that I just refuse to. I've, I've done my dues, I'm educated, I'm experienced, but that is now how the corporate infrastructure sets barriers, puts barriers in the way to help keep black people out, black women out. That is real. So our businesses are being penalized. And then inside, when I you asked about the trends that I see, the black women on particularly LinkedIn, like LinkedIn is being called out in ways um, because Policing is happening to black women's voices on that platform. And all people have to do is hit the button. It's offensive or whatever the links are. And then they get shut down. So their voices get shut down. And so the way that black women are, even their algorithms, like black women are leaving. They are done. They are no longer going to be in abusive situations anymore. And like you were talking, and I were talking before the show, black women are now the largest growing uh, demographic of entrepreneurs uh, getting away from that sort of abuse and um, disrespect. And um, that's the trends that I'm watching happen. And those are the conversations I've been having with other Black women. This is really intriguing to me too, Cindy, because I mean, we we all saw this influx of what looked like genuine care post directly post-George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Now you're saying two years later, a lot of that is waned, right? It's just literally receded and it's being met with all of these other tactics that are bringing about more and more barriers mm -hmm. for diverse folks, folks from the global majority to elevate in these spaces. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people predicted these trends, really. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks, especially I think in black community, they're like, oh, that ain't gonna last long. Oh, it's trending right now. So they care. Oh, you know, people are giving money because that you know they're able to kind of check mark a box off say well look well, what we did was we donated to such and so right we see that often too um and this is why what what 
I've been really sharing with a lot of folks in the nonprofit sector is as we build relationships with philanthropic partners, it's got to be based on relationship, Mm -hmm. period. If you're thinking about Oh, you know, uh, donating and, you know, funding something in, in uh, you know, global majority style uh, nonprofit, you know, sector. You got to start with the real relationship mm-hmm. and it's got to be long term. It's got to be unrestricted funds over the long haul to really build capacity in these organizations. So we've been doing a lot of educating mm-hmm. um, in, non- in the nonprofit sector. I think even in black business sector where, you know, I I see here at Converge, it's like we won't take all dollars ain't good dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. All money's not good money. And we won't go after certain partnerships or allow certain partnerships to flourish here because we understand that their intent isn't good. right? Right. They're looking for that check mark. To, to, right. to drop off. Okay, there's my DEI thing right there because I'm working with Converge. Um, this is something that we take really seriously here. How do you see these kind of trends going? I mean, are, are, are we thinking that now is the time? Because for a minute there, a lot of Black folks and global majority folks have been like, look, I'm brilliant. I could help this company do something great. The problem is, is that I'm not giving the opportunities to really do that. Um, or like I said, people are stealing those ideas. You're being a meeting, say one thing and <laughs> okay, this person, you know, you said it and it was all right. But then this person says the exact same thing. And wow, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's amazing. I mean, what are some of the things that folks can really do who are maybe still stuck in these trends mm-hmm. and trying to, to raise up in the corporate space? What is it that they can be doing right now? You know, uh, a couple things I would say. One is that we have to have corporate America stop looking at Black people as all of our businesses have to be not labeled as nonprofit, a tax write-off for them. Mm-hmm. Charity. We are not all charitable organizations. We are out wanting and desiring wealth and profit just like them. And so changing their narrative about how they give money into communities, we as Black people, we as Black women can run profitable businesses. We are educated. We know how this is done. So we have to stop only being seen as charity Mm -hmm. so that they get a tax write-off on their end and and claiming the box of do good. I've done something for Converge Media. So therefore that's my equity. No, if you really want equity, you start helping give us an equitable split on your profitability for our services. Stop charging us fees and then trying to whittle our fees and our profit away from us, but pay us equitably to what white men make. I happen to have been a person high enough in, in several organizations in this town where I signed those contracts, where I saw what white people get paid, what white consultants make. I saw it and signed it and paid them. So there's no rubbing telling me that those are what our fees are too inflated or too whatever. This is a niche market. And Business School 101 teaches you that in a niche market, we deserve to have a premium attached to our fees. So that's issue number one that I think we have to change the mindset of organizations who contribute money. They have to do it beyond 501c3s. They have to start doing it into people who are actually making a profit. That's issue number one to answer your question. And issue number two I actually talk about in my book um, is how to start dealing with the system of inequity inside of corporate America. And so those systems that we have, we've got to start sharing power with Black people inside of organizations. And by an example of 
how I would suggest sharing power. The way that the there's a performance management system, it's what is used to tear black people out of these organizations. I believe that performance management system needs to go and or take it where the people in the organizations are being able to give equal feedback on the colonized managers that they work for mm -hmm. and take the way that performance management systems, the goals, they are each weighted. We should put a heavier weighting on how those managers are because those weightings are what translates into their bonuses. And that's where wealth gap is being capped. That's where wealth, uh, being able to build wealth is being taken from us. And so again, those systems need to go. We must share power inside of organizations. And for those of us that are black businesses, we must have equitable split on profitability of these companies for our services. And we should not be touting this kind of work to anybody other than brown and black people yeah. at this stage of the game, period. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it, it, just to be clear too, that's why Converge is a for-profit business, mm -hmm. right? Converge is like, look, we're exactly what you're talking about. We're not charity, we're not this. Now I work in the nonprofit sector outside of Converge, but I realize the need for the both and approach, mm -hmm. right? Like there is um, something to be said, we talk about this in terms of nonprofit industrial complex. We deal with the competition of, you know, the, the small fund of, philanthropic dollars always in nonprofit sectors. What I love about um, what you're sharing here is that it is, there people go into business intentionally and they understand their business. I think there's a misnomer too, that there's a driving force to figure out what market is trending right now mm -hmm. and create businesses in that market. Instead, what's happening is people are using their personalized experience and their expertise to now build out services that are going to be beneficial to anybody who chooses to do business with them. That's exactly what I love here at Converge is we've said, look, we're not we're not trying to. Uh, tell stories like anybody else. We're telling stories like we know we need to tell stories. Right. We're fitting into this market by being exceptional at what we do and purposeful, you know? So I, 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 for me, there's so much about that, um, that I also see kind of in the nonprofit sector where it's like, look, we have to be an organization who's going to advocate for all of these amazing organizations because no one was doing it. And that's, uh, you know, my work with King County Equity now is it's so important to be able to uplift all of this kind of stuff mm -hmm. because the advocacy piece helps to then uh, create new policy and legislation yeah. that's lowering those barriers. But what you're talking about here is so direct and intentionally so. This is something that I think is important, Cindy, because a lot of us need to wake up to the fact that we are worth it. And yes. we were talking earlier about it, it, us breaking down our own uh, ways of anti-blackness and upholding white supremacy and all of these things because of how a lot of uh, us, particularly those who went to collegiate institutions, maybe outside of HBCUs, right? were really taught with a certain uh, way and ideology about what success looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's very much in this kind of white lens. Um, so I just appreciate you sharing all this. I know we're, we're running out of time, but I want to give you some time to make sure folks can catch up with you. I know you have your radio show, you have your book. <laughs> Look right there, let them know how they can tap so, in with you, Cindy. 
Thank you, uh, Trey. Thank you all for watching the show tonight. I am the host of Heartbeat Radio. So I uh, am on Rainier Avenue Radio and I talk about these issues uh, both the system of politics where power uh, should be given. So I bring on a lot of elected uh, officials and I aim to highlight candidates that are coming up and who are progressive and willing to go up against the system. Uh, so I'm aired live Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on Rainier Avenue Radio. You can also find my book. Thank you for um, supporting me. It's I sell it on Amazon. Uh, I hate even saying that out loud to you, but it's uh, or anywhere books are sold. But uh, my book does tell my own personal story, um, including a lot of ideas uh, towards the end of the the book about ways of progress for us as Black people, as Black women in corporate America. So thank you, Trey, for highlighting that and having me back on to talk with you today. Hey. Cindy, anytime. <laughs> I, I just, I just told Cindy, you guys, before the show. I said, "Look, I need to tap in with you weekly because I'm you're you're connected to things that I'm not necessarily connected to." Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't even get into it, but I just gotta say, you guys want to check out quietly quitting. Yeah. <laughs> it's something the, that's it's trending hashtag, right now, yeah, right? Hashtag quiet quitting. It's a yes. It's a Gen Z hashtag around. Uh, walking away. It's basically walking away and saying, if you won't support us and you want to continue to abuse us, we have the power, the courage, the strength, the courage to go out on our own and start doing things ourselves. So there it is. There it is, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank today. you, Trey. Absolutely. You guys, uh, stay tuned after this short break. Of course, I get to tap in with Brian Kellen and he's back in the building. We're going to be talking about all things going on tonight on Seattle News, Views and Brews. Stay tuned after this short break, y'all. You're watching the day with Trey. Basically, fam, believe in giving. Like, we have to be willing to give more. And people seem to always think giving means money. But nah, bro. It's like you can give time. You can give understanding. You can give access. You can give a listening ear and an open heart. You can give and share your God-given gifts and talents. But you just got to give. Guess what, you guys? Portland Hip Hop Week is August 20th through 27th, and Converge Media is proud to be an official partner. Of course, it's your buddy Basil Gordon here, and you already know the Converge team is literally going to head south on I-5 to celebrate hip hop culture in the Rose City. Portland Hip Hop Week is literally jam-packed with dope events, including the Hip Hop Skate Party, hosted by DJ OG1, Hip Hop Wine and Chill at the Abbey Creek Winery. There's also a DJ workshop hosted by Grand Wizard, Theodore, and let's not forget Portland Hip Hop Week's biggest night, the 2022 Star Wars. And this year, they're celebrating women in hip hop. You can get more information by visiting pdxhiphopweek.com. And of course, you can head over to my blog at jamin1075.com. Just search BASA. Hey, y'all. My name is Nicole Harvey, and I proudly serve as the Director of Community and Family Engagement at Seattle Jazz Ed. And I'm here to let y'all know that we're getting to launch our fall programming the first week of October. So if you're a student or you know a student between the grades 4 through 12 that is interested in playing music, whether they're a beginner or they've been playing for a long time, we have saved a seat for you. For more information, please visit our website at www.seattlejazzed.org. All of our programs and classes are offered on a sliding scale tuition policy, which means that families get to choose what they pay, no questions asked. We also have free loaner instruments available for every student to use. If you have questions, you're welcome to contact us via email or by phone at programs at seattlejazzed.org or 206-324-5299. 
Lastly, we just want to let you all know that we're hosting a blog party on Thursday, August 25th from 5 to 8 p.m. There's going to be free food, music, and it's going to be a really good time. So for more information, please visit our website. You can also check it out on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Thanks, y'all. Hope to see you soon. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Of course, we got We Live in Color coming up tonight, and that's going to happen right after Seattle News Views and Brews. Of course, Brian Callanan is in the building to tell us all about what's going down tonight. What's up, Brian? Oh, great to be back. I, need, I missed my daily dose of dopeness last <laughs> week, but it, it's good to be back with you, Trey. we got a lot of stuff going on with the show. It's an interesting time for the Seattle City Council because this is the time when traditionally they are on their annual summer break, these last two weeks of the of the month of August, and they come back right after Labor Day. But there's that one thing that won't go away, and that's looking at the budget. There's one thing in particular that's kind of looming over them, and the mayor's been talking about this for several months, and the council's been aware of it. They have a budget gap. It started about $117 million at the start of the year. Looks like it's closer to $142 million right now due to some different spending that the council that the council and the city is doing here. So what the mayor is talking about, and it looks like the council is on board, is this idea of using some of the jumpstart payroll tax money to try to supplant that budget gap. Now, where that budget gap came from, there's a big point of contention between the council and former Mayor Durkin, but essentially it was this. It was using some of the one-time funds that came in for COVID relief for some of these different priorities that the city has, including funding BIPOC communities and a number of other things. So it's this trade-off here, and I'm very interested to see, and I talk about it on the show with David Croman tonight, just kind of where the city is going to go with this. It sounds like Teresa Mosqueda, who's been pushing back on this for some time here, didn't want to use these excess monies that are coming in for Jumpstart to go towards anything else other than affordable housing or the Green New Deal, the things that it was supposed to be set for. But it is a time right now when the city's in a bit of a crunch when it comes to budget. And it's going to be a very interesting next month or two as the city works this out. The council and the mayor are talking about this. The mayor's budget proposal is due to the council on September 24th. My goodness, this is a serious topic here, yeah. Brian, because those funds are so needed in the ways that they were supposed to be, like their original yeah, intention, right? right? And, and so for me, I, of course, I'm thinking, all right, if that money is used for this gap yeah. in the, the city's budget, then what are we looking at in terms of what's left yeah. for that, that those funds to now go mm -hmm. into the programs and projects yeah. they were intended for? Right. That right there, I mean, we're already dealing with this where it's like, you know, there's this shuffle of always, money, Brian, that always. keeps happening. But uh, unfortunately, it's almost oftentimes the community who bears the brunt end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess just with this, to be as clear as I can about it, this is excess money. So the fund was supposed to bring the jumpstart tax, was supposed to bring amount X. They've actually brought in more than that. So they're just talking about that excess amount. However, you're right on with, with your criticism there because I think a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, I thought we were devoting this money towards this. We've had this, uh, we've had this discussion for as long as there's been a city government, right? Talking about where soda tax dollars are going, et cetera. So this is something that the council is going to continue to have to wrestle with. I'm very interested to see how one Seattle, as the mayor talks about, really gets put to the test here for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And and if, if we're being honest even though it's access mm -hmm. or, or excess yes, right uh -huh. even though it is the need is great oh, yeah. Ryan right mm -hmm. I mean like to be honest we're talking about you know how is the city of Seattle going to be a model city mm -hmm. by utilizing funding to start 
really closing the gaps on some of the things when we talk about homelessness, affordable housing, yeah. you know, funding, you know, global majority communities sure. and community based initiatives and organizations that are already doing the solutions on the ground. So if they yeah. are actually able to be scaled up and do their work and not have their capacity so stretched, then yeah. the city will benefit from that. Yeah. Like there is a, a immediate uh, effect that comes from all of that hard work that's yeah. happening on the ground by scaling up those solutions. So yeah. that for me is where my mind goes with it. Cause yeah. I go, my goodness, if an organization like creative justice sure. or choose 180 or community passageways mm -hmm. or freedom project, or, you know, nurturing roots or mm -hmm. Africa town community land Pick trust, yeah. if any of these organizations could have the money that they need to really work and, and run all of the programs they want. Yeah the solutions will start coming from the ground up. Yeah. The city doesn't have all those contacts and all those connections to yeah. make a lot of those solutions work. Yeah. So it's just an interesting conversation. It is, and it can be frustrating. I hear exactly what you're saying because I don't think anybody in the entire city would say that the investment that the city is making in affordable housing right now is enough. No way. Yeah. So those excess monies, there's absolutely a place for them. However, there are other projects too that are going on. It happens every budget season. It's a very difficult job to have. I know the council's wrestling with it. I know the Mayor is wrestling with it too. It's something that I kind of started the conversation with with this podcast tonight, but we're really going to have much more detailed conversations about it in the months to come. I know we're tight on time though, Trey. I wondered if I could bring up a little bit of good news to help wrap up the it. show. I love is it. Come cool? on with it. Is that cool? I wanted to let people know about something that you might know already. It's something called Steelheads Alley. It's down across the street from T-Mobile Field, right across where that old Pyramid Ale House used to be. Super cool. So I wonder, Curtis, if you might be able to draw up that photo for me, because I was able to hang out with Rodney Hines. He is the brewmaster, excuse not the brewmaster. He's the CEO, co-founder of Metier Brewing. And there he was down there at Steelheads Alley, which is this beautiful new place that celebrates so many different things. I know Converge has been talking about this too, but I just thought it was fascinating to see all the history that was there. So we're talking about the Seattle Steelheads, right? Which is a Negro League team here that happened many, many years ago in 1946, as a matter of fact. You think about that date, just a year later, 1947, that's when the major leagues were integrated. 75 years ago, in 1947, the major leagues were integrated when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, right? So it was really interesting. The Steelheads actually didn't stick around for that long. It was only a couple of months. But what this has done, I think, with Steelheads Alley, and I thought it was beautiful to see it. Check it out if you can, because it just opened yesterday. It's got all these different photos on the wall, black and white. There aren't that many of the Steelheads, which is all right, because it's really opened the door to so many other stories. Did you know about the Owls, which was a female team here, playing softball and whatever else for a long time? Did you know about the players from Japan who were playing here? It's a great, great story to see there, and it's, it's, it's laid out. It's not your ordinary bar. You know what I'm saying? It's something that's really cool to see all that history there. And cool is probably the wrong word because there's a lot of complicated history to the Negro, Negro Leagues. But I really found it valuable in terms of starting a conversation. You know, wh what's that? You know, and they're going to end up having QR codes by all those different photos there so you can get the full story on what's going on. And uh, the old and young, I highly recommend it. It's a really neat place to check out. Rodney Hines is a great brewer. He cranks out some great brew. That's a little icing on the cake there, but <laughs> it's a great space. And I just wanted to let people know about it because uh, I didn't talk about it on the podcast. I'm working on a story about it for Seattle Channel, and I hope people can check it out. Well, I mean, you do host Seattle News, Views, and this is, Brews. Oh, okay. So, you know what saying. I mean? You're, uh -huh. you're, you're already okay. on point with can, it. It, it flows <laughs> right in. It flows right in. You, bet. you know what, Brian? Thank yeah. you so much for mentioning that. And I yeah. will say, I can't wait to step in there. You know, uh, Jay Martin Jr. was just on the show, and he 
was there at, for our opening launch yeah. and talked so much about how beautiful the space was yeah. and the food was great. I love this infusion of history because although there may be some kind of, you know, controversy of that course. we understand, there was some conflict there when it came to how the Negro Leagues, you know, mm -hmm. disappeared and really lost so much revenue and jobs yeah. in yeah. the black communities yeah. across the country. But also, too. This is where we can begin to utilize social spaces as a model, like as an mm -hmm. opening way, opening the door yeah. to the education Agreed. that we need. So we yeah. can all be learning as we're socializing yeah. Yeah. And, and getting these facts down and understanding the history of this amazing story of what the Negro Leagues brought. And I love how you mentioned these other, you know, leagues that were going on. Oh, yeah. We all need to really be educated because there was there's so much brilliance we can learn from mm -hmm. uh, from back in that time. Brian, thank you so much. Yeah. Make sure you look right there. Let the folks know how they can find you. I will do that. Check it out. Seattle News Views and Brews tonight, 7 o'clock right here on Converge. Hit me up at Callanan Seattle. I'm on Twitter. Make sure you check out the show. And thank you, Trey, as always, for having me. Yeah, great, great topics once again. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you guys check it out. Thanks so much, Brian. Mm -hmm. Uh, make sure y'all check that out. Seattle News Views and Brews tonight. We're going to just take another quick, short break. And of course, when we come back, I get to recap everything for you. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday, And of course, Vesa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Basa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. Oh, so many great shows going on tonight. Make sure you guys stay tuned for Seattle News, Views, and Brews at 7 p.m. right here on Converge Media, followed up by We Live in Color with host Deontay Damper. And he has two phenomenal sisters on tonight, Moni Love and Sierra. Love them both. And I'm so glad that we have some amazing shows here, y'all, to really spotlight all of the brilliance within our community and beyond. This is what I love to do this for. You guys know I want you to be in inspired, be inspired by the guests I had on today. Cindy Bright doing her work. You know, she is like on the money. Make sure you guys tap in with her show right there on Rainer Avenue Radio um, and be inspired by her story. She is utilizing her expertise in corporate America to now bring about these trends so that we are all in the know about what's going on and how those unfortunate tactics are continuing to play out and kind of permeating our communities, but also sharing the resilience of black businesses growing, being the number one sector, uh, really growing here in throughout the country. It's a beautiful thing to be able to to celebrate that while also being educated on what's going on internally in corporate America, as so many of us are still trying to find our way uh, in that space. So I love that she's doing that work. And of course, Brian is doing what he got to do, y'all. Seattle News Views and Brews and also the stories he brings onto the Seattle channel. He's doing his part. Be inspired to do your part, you guys, to see yourself as a part of the solution. Tomorrow, I get to tap in with Brenda Leakes. She is the leader over there at Seattle Girls School. And of course, it's another time for our resident life coach, Curtis Calhoun, to be in the building and give us another real life or tip we can all use to benefit our lives. You guys don't want to miss that. And so until tomorrow at 11 a.m., Peace. <laughs>
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.